Our service of morning prayer begins on page three of the Book of Common Prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Continuing on page seven. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall shall forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. In lieu of the Venite, Psalm 95 on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways. Unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. This morning's psalm is Psalm 31, which begins on page 375. In thee, O Lord, have I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Make haste to deliver me. And be thou my strong rock and house of defense, that thou mayest save me. For thou art my strong rock, and my castle. Be thou also my guide, and lead me for thy name's sake. Draw me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Into thy hands I commend my spirit, for thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, thou God of truth. I have hated them that hold of lying vanities, and my trust hath been in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, and hast known my soul in adversities. Thou hast not shut me up in the hand of the enemy, but hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble, and mine eye is consumed for very heaviness, yea, my soul and my body. For my life is waxen old with heaviness, and my years with mourning. My strength faileth me because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I became a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and they of mine acquaintance were afraid of me, and they that did see me without conveyed themselves from me. I am clean forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am become like a broken vessel. For I have heard the blasphemy of the multitude, and fear is on every side. While they conspire together against me, 
and take their counsel to take away my life. But my hope hath been in thee, O Lord. I have said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Show thy servant the light of thy countenance and save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be confounded, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the ungodly be put to confusion and be put to silence in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which cruelly, disdainfully, and despitefully speak against the righteous. O how plentiful is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, and that thou hast prepared for them that put their trust in thee, even before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the covert of thine own presence from the plottings of men. Thou shalt keep them secretly in thy tabernacle from the strife of tongues. Thanks be to the Lord, for he hath showed me marvelous great kindness in a strong city. But in my haste I said, I am cast out of the sight of thine eyes. Nevertheless thou heardest the voice of my prayer when I cried unto thee. I love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth them that are faithful, and plenteously rewardeth the proud doer. Be strong, and he shall establish your heart, all ye that put your trust in the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 18th chapter of the second book of Samuel. And David numbered the people who were with him, and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent out one-third of the people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered, You shall not go out. For if we flee away, they will not care about us. Nor if half of us die, will they care about us. But you are worth ten thousand of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people than that day than the sword devoured. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree, and his head got caught in the terebinth. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in the terebinth tree. So Joab said to the man who told him, You just saw him, and why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I would have dealt falsely against my own life. For there is nothing hidden from the king, 
and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. So Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom, cast him into a large pit in the woods, and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's monument. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall, <clears throat> for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, said again to Joab, But whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So Joab said, Why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? But whatever happens, he said, Let me run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running alone. Then the watchman cried out and told the king. And the king said, If he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. Then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, There is another man running alone. And the king said, He also brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. So Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. The king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimez answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, there is good news, my lord the king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you do harm, be like that young man. Then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said this, thus, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place. O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Here ends the first lesson. Together the Benedictus says on page 11. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, Praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim. Praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom. Praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven. 
praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 11th verse of the 5th chapter of the 2nd Epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For, we, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we, re we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here is the second lesson. Together the Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and remember his holy covenant. Perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, 
the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it cometh that thy faithful do unto thee true and laudable service, grant we beseech thee that we may so faithfully serve thee in this life, that we fail not finally to obtain thy heavenly promises through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. There's a lot going on in our three readings today. In the interest of time, I'll skip the passage from Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians and focus on the story of King David as brought out in the Old Testament and the Psalm. In our Old Testament lesson, we are continuing the theme of this part of 2 Samuel, David's sins and their consequences. David sinned greatly, but he has not been put to death, and he gets to keep as wife the woman who gave birth to his son Solomon, his greatest son, who will become legendary king both in his time and throughout all time. On the other hand, David is paying for those great sins related to Bathsheba, through a series of calamities that befall him and his household. Bishop Scarlett has discussed this theme several times this year, and I also mentioned it last week. So we have a lot of conflict, drama, and peril in the last 25 years or so of David's life. One of the biggest and potentially most violent conflicts is between David and his powerful general, Joab. Every year at this point in 2 Samuel, I'm really uncomfortable with um, Joab's bold defiance of his nominal boss, King David, both in killing the king's son and also how he handles David's criticisms later. But looking at this again this year, two new things stuck out, stood out. First, I and perhaps maybe others would have underestimated the peril David is in here. We know his life was on the line against Goliath, no matter what Malcolm Gladwell might claim. And despite being chosen by God and anointed king by the prophet Samuel, clearly in the last 11 chapters of 1 Samuel, David is trying to avoid being killed by Saul without killing the man 
Samuel previously anointed as king. So in 2 Samuel, this seemed different to me. Saul is gone. David has consolidated his rule over both kingdoms, has lots of wives and all the other trappings of power. Absalom is just his son, a usurper, a shadow of David's holiness and military prowess. The civil war, as some commentators call it, is brief. It begins in chapter 15 and ends today in chapter 18. However, a rebellious son or other relative is how civil wars started in this period of Near Eastern history. The son of a rightful king, and apparently at this point his eldest son, Absalom would be widely accepted if David were to die, whether by natural or man-made causes. He's also consciously sought to create personal loyalty for the past decades. He's the handsomest man in the kingdom, and he's already shown himself ruthless. So next to his fight with Saul, this is the most dangerous period in David's life. The other issue is that David genuinely faces difficult moral choices in his life. Absalom is his eldest surviving son. Saul was his father-in-law and mentor, chosen by God as the first king over all Israel. On the one hand, David doesn't want to lose the kingdom God has given him. Joab is his nephew and has proven himself by leading men to victory in a way that David can no longer do. David is approaching 70, only a few years from death. Commentators are sympathetic to Joab's bluntness in the next chapter, since David lamenting his army's victory over the usurper could make them unwilling to fight for him in the future. And he can't hold his power and pass it on to his heir without his army's help. Finally, in the death of Absalom, as with the death of Saul, Amnon, and others, David appears to want to have his cake and eat it too. He wants the problem solved, but he doesn't want direct responsibility. I think this points, I now think this points to the anguish David is facing here and throughout much of his life. David walks and talks with God, and with a few notable exceptions, is a very moral and just man. So it seems clear he knows he has no good choices here. He also seems to be honest, self-aware, and repentant. So he's painfully aware that this is a mess of his own doing, as we'll see in the psalm. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 31. In the New King James, the psalm is titled as, The Lord, a Fortress in Adversity, and a, a Psalm of David. The average length of a psalm is 16 verses, so at 27 verses, this is longer than an average psalm. So rather than the whole psalm, I want to focus on just a few ideas. First, David is repeatedly crying out to God for help. He says, I am in trouble, and deliver me from the hand of mine enemies, and makes repeated references to plots and conspiracies against him. This major theme is consistent both with when he was fleeing Saul and also the period we've been reading recently in Absalom's civil war of the past four chapters. However, I think the context implies the latter. It's late in his life. Verses 11 and 12 say, For my life is waxen old with heaviness, and my years with mourning. My strength faileth me because of my iniquity, and my bones are consumed. Also the word iniquity, even if a more accurate translation, masks why David is in such trouble. One translation renders verse 12 as, My strength has failed because of my sinfulness. And thus commentators suggest that David is acknowledging the role of specific sins in both his physical deterioration and the woes he faces at the hand of his enemies. So while David may be acknowledging his faults in general, given the ebb and flow of his life, I believe he is acknowledging the specific sins with Bathsheba. 
As I mentioned earlier, these are the sins that caused his family life and his kingdom to suffer in the final third of his life. Finally, as so often in the Psalms, David expresses his unshaking trust in God, his justness, and his justice. Even if we want to avoid his moral failings, we should emulate his steadfast trust in God. That trust is aptly captured by verse 6. Into thy hands I commend my spirit, for thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, thou God of truth. Those first seven words were, of course, quoted by Jesus as his final words on the cross, as reported by Luke's Gospel. Christians such as Martin Luther have also quoted David, or Jesus quoting David, in their final minutes on this earth. Thus, as Christians, there is always more that we can learn from David, as long as we understand, as he did, his failings and the consequences of those failings. We now return to page 18 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth, and hold the faith and unity of spirit, and the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate. Then may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings, and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together, let us say the general thanksgiving on page 19. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. O God, the protector of all that trust in thee, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us thy mercy, that thou, being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through the things temporal that we finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Greetings to all from Boulder.
Thank you to Britt and Carl for making this morning's worship possible. Hope you all have a great weekend. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, kiddos. Bye.